Hey friends, and welcome to the happy hour. My name is Jamie Ivey, and I am your host, and I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for listening. This is episode number eight. So I've done exactly eight of these, obviously. Started two months ago, and I am so happy with each of my guests. I'm happy with everything I have coming up for you guys in the next couple of months. And this is just so much fun. So this interview and guest today is a little weird because I've never met her. And she left a comment saying that she kind of wanted to interview me. So the tables were turned a bit, and Julie interviewed me today. So we had a great conversation about... All kinds of stuff, mom-related, my life, TV shows, uh, my blog. It's a lot of fun. So I hope you follow along with our conversation today. I'd love to hear any of your thoughts about it. And um, we talk about a bit about a CD. And so I want to let you know that on my blog, jamieivy.com, I am giving away a couple of these CDs. So Jimmy McNeil, he is a worship leader at the Austin Stone Community Church. He has a new album, and I have a couple to give away. So all you need to do is go to the blog and leave a comment jamieivy.com. I want to say a thanks real quick for an iTunes review. Um, She said, I've only listened to two this far, but I absolutely love Jamie's happy hour. It's an easy listen and makes my drive go by quickly. I find myself wanting to throw in my opinion about all of her topics. This is definitely on my subscription list. Thank you so much. I do the same thing when I'm listening to radio shows. I'm like, no, this is what I think. This is what I would say. So I feel good that it makes you feel that way. Thanks a lot, guys. I'd love it if you subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends. Making this podcast is so fun. And it's fun because you're listening and you let me know that you're listening. And the most fun is that I have amazing people that I get to talk to. So thanks for listening today. Here's Julie and I as we talk about all things me. Kind of weird, but it is what it is. So thanks, guys. Enjoy. Welcome to the happy hour. Okay, this is the most um, random podcast I've ever done um, because Julie and I have never met, right? Nope. We've never met. <laughs> okay, so let me tell everybody what happened and how random this is. So I, it was you left a comment on my blog on one of the other podcasts, maybe Wynn's podcast, which yes. Wynn Elder uh, is... Uh, one of the podcasts and it's actually wins. Actually, I get so many comments on how much they love it. So if you haven't listened to hers, go back, but I want to read your comment. Okay. For everyone okay. to hear. You said, <laughs> hi, Jamie. I don't know how I stumbled upon your blog last year, but I'm glad I did. I'm guessing it's because I became a new mom and found it by randomly, randomly looking for tips from other moms, especially in regards to prayer. I have listened to your podcast and I really enjoy them. And now I need to fr- finish Friday night lights. And then you said, I have tons of questions for you just about you and your life journey. I'm sure you have tons of friends and ideas, but if you ever run out of guest segments, I would love to come and ask you all the questions I have. It could be a good introduction podcast for newcomers like myself, kind of like an interview of Jamie. You said, I understand that this could be kind of weird considering we have not met, but I think that could be part of the fun too. I would love to meet you beforehand for coffee or lunch if that's more comforting considering my proposal. If anything, let this message be a warm hug via the internet and know you have a random listener that really enjoys your message. Cheers, Julie. So I got that comment and I was like, Aaron, listen to this. So I read it to him and he's like, you're not going to do that, are you? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Like it sounds kind of interesting. And so I just left you a message back on the blog. I didn't email you because I thought if she really is serious, somehow she'll see this. And you did. And here we are. 
I know. It's so fun. And we've never met <laughs> no, we until haven't. this moment. Yep. Okay. So tell me just a little bit about you, Julie Hayes. Who are you? Mm, gosh, that's a loaded question, right? Um, I guess according to my Twitter feed, I would say I, I am an adventure capitalist, which means I capitalize on adventure. So wow. um, I'm always just kind of, I don't know, doing something crazy as far as like official titles. I'm a wife, a mom, a new mom. My little boy just turned nine months last week. Um, I work Monday through Thursdays at a place where we do finances and business management for a bunch of, uh, musicians. And, um, I don't know, I'm kind of always, I love to read, um, I love radio and just different interviews of people and things, which is kind of what led me into this. And so I guess that's kind of a quick summary of myself. Okay. That is so fun. <laughs> you said you love to read. What are you reading right now? I always like to ask um, people. I'm reading two books right now. Um, one I'm reading, uh, called, uh, my reading list by Pat Conroy. Pat Conroy actually wrote a bunch of books, um, the great Santini, um, my losing season uh, the Prince of Tides. And basically he, he went to military school over on the East coast. I'm forgetting the name of the place right now, the Citadel. And he just kind of writes, um, I don't want to say historical fiction. It's kind of like nonfiction and fiction. Like some of it is about his life, but he's gone through some hard times with just depression and stuff. And he's a big reader. And so it's kind of an autobiography of himself. And then I'm also reading another book, by Ryan Holiday, who actually lives here in Austin, and it's called The Obstacle is the Way. And it is a book just kind of about how when you face problems in life, instead of getting upset or um, freaking out, it's more of how you can kind of look at these as opportunities for doors to open and grow. And um, it's really interesting. Very cool. So I'm always interested when you say you're reading two books at a time, because I don't do very well. At, I don't do that very well. When do you read them? Like you pick one up, read it, put it down, pick another one up, or is like one for the bedside and one for something else? Well, since I'm a new mom and I'm working, um, I don't get to read like I would like to. There's right. not enough time in the world to mm -hmm. read, if, even if you weren't a mother or working. For me, at least that's how I feel. Um, and so the obstacles, the way are short essays or short chapters. So it's easy to read, like while I you're getting that. coffee yes. or you're waiting for something. And then the other book, yes, I've been reading it on the bedside and they have longer chapters, which honestly, I've been reading this since William was like a month old. Uh -huh, no, I understand that. <laughs> and so it, it's actually really refreshing when I hear you and the fact that you have four children and you're reading all the time and then your other friends, I'm like, yes, this is only temporary. At That's some point I'll be able say. to read more. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened the other day, Julie. So all, a lot of my girlfriends, I feel like I have a lot of girlfriends with kids that are like a couple stages behind me and then some that are a couple stages in front. So there's just all these stages to children and my kids, just the way it happened, they're all within four years. So I feel like we hit these stages and we blazed through them. So all that to say, I took my kids to the pool the other day for the first time this summer. And it was the first time that I sat there and I thought to myself, I could be reading a book right now. Like, oh, that's nice. I know my other girlfriends, we have to be in the water, like an arm's length away from all their kids are just so jealous, but I'm like, yo, it will happen. But that was the first time that I've ever felt that way. 
everyone and can touch. There's lifeguards everywhere. Everyone can go do the slide. I mean, it was just like, this is, this is nice. And what are the ages of your children again? Don't they range from like five to 10 or? I have a 10, nine, eight, and six. Okay. So yeah. yeah four. Okay. Th- we're all pr- within four years. So it's pretty close. I have a lot of friends like you. I have a lot of friends that have kids that are old and they've just had babies and it is it's a nice little pocket to be in because I can learn from people that have children that are older mm-hmm. <laughs> of what to do what not to do and you can also see that you know whatever phase you're in it won't last forever That's and there exactly are good right. mm-hmm. good things and struggles within them and then I see my friends that have just had <laughs> new babies and I can tell them I promise this will pass. Take You're a like, breath. I'm only nine months ahead of you and this will pass. And look at me. I know you're, you're alive. You're reading, you're making it. That's so sleep. true. So true. Uh, I think it's a game changer when the kids start sleeping. I mean, it just changes oh. everything. I have a girlfriend who her girls have never been good sleepers. And so it's just, she doesn't get good sleep until they're like over a year. And so she's just like a zombie and I just always feel for her. But I'm like, you know what? No one ever sends a kid to kindergarten that doesn't like sleep through the night. You know, this is going to happen. So you're going to make it. You're going to make it. And I think that's, that's the hardest part. I mean, everything else, I mean, there were hurdles along the way, but the lack of sleep just compounds everything and anything in your life. I mean, whether you're having a kid or not or going through something stressful, if you're not sleeping, then for me, it's like, it, it makes everything exponentially harder. And so I'm, I would be lying if I didn't say the first month or two, I was like, Whoa, it's so hard. <laughs> what you, happened? you don't even realize what it does to your body to not sleep. It's Seriously. crazy. I even say now, if one of my kids gets up middle of the night, I'm like the worst middle of the night mom ever. I, I lose all compassion. I lose all empathy. All I want is my sleep. And so Oh, I just, I'm not good in the middle of the night. I have I no call myself compassion. Corella DeVille. I imagine that I look like my hair's all over the place. My eyes are big and I, they're like all bloodshot. Yeah. Poor kids. <laughs> they're like, let's go back to bed. Mom's crazy. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, well, okay. So, so let's do your I, thing. Yeah. Well, I was actually, it's funny. I had all these questions as I was started reading your blog and then I started listening to your podcast. And obviously since you took me up on my proposal, cause I was just kind of listening and I thought, man, I have all these questions. And I shot that email or that comment on your podcast without even really thinking or thinking that you would take me up on it. And it's funny since then I've read a lot of your blogs uh-huh. <laughs> and I've learned quite a bit. <laughs> But I went through my email history and I looked at the day when I started following you. And actually, it was January 14th, which was the day after your husband had posted something. I guess you were gone on vacation, but it was called the mom problem. Oh, yes. And it was uh, your husband basically walking a day in your shoes for several days. And I thought that was just, I, I reread it and I thought, man, I need to keep this. I need to print it and keep it in my little journal so I can go back and read it when I'm having those moments throughout this journey of, um, you know, how exhausting it can be on a day-to-day level. And so that is actually um, how I found you. And then, of course, I've been following your blog since then and read other stuff. But I guess, you know, if I remember correctly, you got quite a bit of comments and feedback from that blog. Yeah, that was, so I was out of town. My girlfriend, Amy, who I interviewed on the very first podcast, we've been best friends since 
ninth grade and we always try to get away every year. And so I had gone away. I mean, literally like Thursday to Sunday, you know, not very long. And Aaron was, at, <laughs> Aaron was at home with all the kids and he wrote this post for me and Julie, it like went crazy. It was one of the most read, it might be the most read post ever on my blog, which is funny because I didn't even write it, but, um, he did, he just talked about, well, I'll list the points real quick. It said, number one, he said, moms rarely get edification. You know, no one's affirming them, um, which I felt that way this week. Aaron was just out of town for seven days. And so I was solo parenting in the summer. And I just told one of the girlfriends the other day, I was like, no one thinks me. I feed them three times a day. (laughs) I like make them pie. I take them swimming and not one kid says, thank you. You know, it's just, it's what it is being mom. Uh, number two, he said, moms feel stuck. And again, he was like saying, you do the same thing over and over again, like wash dishes, feed kids. You know, if you have a baby, you've washed, you've changed their diaper, feed them, da, 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 da. Uh, number three, he said, weeks with dad are fun and weeks with mom are just normal. And I talked about this with my girlfriend yesterday. I was like, here's the deal. Aaron's going to get home tomorrow and he's going to go take them and do something really, really fun. And dad is awesome. And I love that he does that. It's per. I love it, love it. But then when it's just me, we're just doing our normal thing, you know? But if I go out of town, Aaron does fun stuff with him, which is awesome. I love it. But he was saying this. Number four, he said, moms have a harder time loving Jesus. And he basically just meant by that is it's just harder for moms to spend time praying, reading their Bible, just because they have all these kids around them. Um, Well, I would say... I don't think it's hard for moms to pray. I think you pray all day throughout the day. You're like, oh, Lord, let me get through this moment. Or, oh, Lord, mm-hmm. please take your hands and bubble wrap my kids so that mm-hmm. they're safe. safe. Although that's my definition of safe, not his, which, right. I, you know, kind of just terms with that on a regular basis. But I, I get that when he talks about just the quiet time, the meditation, the moments, kind of take a deep breath and just... Yeah. Stop and think about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, I it's important. Um, I did something a couple of years ago. Um, my friend Kat Lee runs a blog called Inspired to Action. I don't know if you've read it. If you haven't, you should. She also does an amazing podcast for moms, so I highly recommend it. It's called the Hello Morning Challenge. And I did it a couple of years ago, and basically the the gist of it is is that you're dedicating to be um to like greet your kids in the morning and be up and ready to parent them rather than them waking you up. Um, which for me is a really, really hard thing because Mm -hmm. in the summer I tell my kids don't wake me up before eight o'clock because it's summertime. And two of my kids are early risers by like 6am, no matter what. And then two will sleep late. But anyhow, I did her challenge and her challenge is to get up before your kids, spend time with the Lord. She even like wants you to exercise, to do all this stuff so that when your kids wake up, you are ready to parent them. And I did it. And Julie, it was so hard. I mean, oh, yeah. it was just hard because I couldn't sleep in. I mean, even so when I get the kids up during the school year, we're up by, they're up by 640. So it was me getting up at like 545 and just getting up with the number that starts with the five. It's just not okay with me. Well, and what time do your kids go to bed and what time do you go to bed? Well, that's another thing that she really talks about with her challenge is that you have to, you need sleep. And so one of the things you have to sacrifice is you can't be a night owl if you're going to get up before your kids. So my kids during the school year are usually in bed between seven and eight, all of them. Everyone's probably down by eight. 
And then you, all moms understand this. When your kids go to bed, you just want to sit on the couch and veg. Like you don't, <laughs> your brain doesn't work anymore. You don't want to clean. You just want to sit. And so I'll find myself going to bed at like 11, you know, 1130. But if I'm wise, I'm in bed by 10 or 1030. But that's hard, you know. And even then, if you're going to bed at 10 and getting up at 530, you're getting like seven and a half hours of sleep. I mean, for myself, I like to try to put in a good eight. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. But people do it, you know. Well, so my husband works in Backstrop and we live in Austin. And so, um, and a lot of people say, oh my gosh, that commute is horrible. But really there's no traffic. And uh, most people we know spend anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour in a commute anyway. And, you know, where our struggle is with the bedtime and sleep is, and it's not so bad now because he's little, but I can see it in the future. You know, I think he needs to have a consistent bedtime. And a lot of friends I know put their kids in bed around eight, like you guys, but if they don't get home and my uh, William goes to daycare and bathroom because it's cheaper and they're way more flexible than Austin. But, you know, they don't get home till six o'clock. And so by the time we eat dinner and take a bath, like, I, you know, I feel like Monday through Thursday is just a rat race. And I would like to take a minute and just, you know, give him a hug and play with them. And, you know, so we're, we kind of push bedtime back a little bit, uh, about eight thirty or nine. And, um, it's, you know, I think it's working out okay now because he sleeps on the way to bath drop. He sleeps on the way back and he's getting a good two hour nap. But I know as he gets older, you know, I don't know how we'll address that. I'm waiting to kind of cross that bridge as it gets here. I just hate to put him in bed at eight o'clock. And I feel like I've only had like 30 minutes to kind of be the fun person. Right. Right. Or even (laughs) just be around your kid. I totally get that. I am like, I have learned in my motherhood journey over the years, I've been doing this for, you know, 10 years is that Every, what I think works for my family and is right is not the same for every family, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's not fair for me to be like, oh, everyone should have their kids in bed at this time. Now, I mean, I do have some friends that let their kids stay up till all hours of the night. And I don't want that because A, my kids are grouchy the next day. And B, I need some alone time, you know, as I've been with them all day. But I think that's true. Like we, you have to figure things out what work for your family. Like for example, my kids, when they all started at this new school, they really thought that one of my kids should be in this after cool, after school tutorial program. And it, he, he really needed the help. And so we signed them up. But what happened was, um, that didn't end until five and I would normally pick them up at three 30. So then by the time we got home, it's five 30. And then if we have dinner or now my kids play sports, so then we have practice, you know, and then they'd go to bed at eight. And so Aaron and I were like, we see our kids for like two hours a day. And so mm-hmm. we totally re- like went to the school and be like, we know our kid needs extra help. We know you're offering this for free, but right now our family is more important. And so, you know, I think you just have to do that. You just have to figure out what works well for us and what's best for our family. And it takes, you know, I've had a, I've kind of joked with a few of my friends that you go through peer pressure as you're growing up to prepare you for becoming a parent because <laughs> you really have to learn. I know there's, there's been a couple times I've been sensitive to people's comments about various issues and I've kind of had to just take a step back personally and say, you know, I, I want to live like people are genuinely trying to help and offer advice that's helped them, but also to not take it so personally and to like take in what can help you and then let it go in one ear and out the other that doesn't work for your situation. Yeah. And, um, you know, we 
have been fortunate in a sense that, you know, we're, we're in our early 30s. So we've had a lot of experiences to kind of prepare us for this. But I could see if you're a younger parent, how it could be, it, it's just, it takes some, it takes some thick skin to get used to being able to not so much tell other people, but tell yourself that you're doing what's best for you, your family, and everything else will work itself out. Like yeah. it always says. I know. And it's like that. I tell people with parenting books. Like you can't ever like get a parenting book and say, this is the law. You mm-hmm. know, you take some, you leave some and there it is. Well, I got so overwhelmed when I was pregnant with reading everything. I finally told my doctor, you know, people have been having kids for a long time and didn't have all this information and did fine. And this is pretty much what I've told my pediatrician. I'm like, there's a lot of other things I'd rather do and read about. So if I'm doing something wrong, I need you to speak up because I'm not going to read all this Because I won't know about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to do trial by fire. You know, there you see go. how it goes. <laughs> You're so right. So right. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Well, I'm curious. So in the process of reading information and just kind of doing my research to ask you questions, one of the when did you start writing your blog? I'm not going to lie. One time I sat there and I went through all of your post, not all of them, trying to figure out when you started your act, like your first blog post. And I, I got to August of 2009. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I clicked through five years of stuff, just trying to find out when you, you know, when did you start and what inspired you to start writing a blog? So I started way before that, actually, which is funny is because we lived outside of Nashville. Aaron and I moved there before we had kids. And then when we started our, I believe I started when we started our adoption process of Deacon, which was in 2005. Um, okay. And so the, I started it just to kind of keep people up to date, mainly my family that all lived in Texas. Um and so, you know what? I can't remember the name of my first blog. I was on Blogspot and it was like Ivy Kids or Ivy Family. I don't even remember. So I started that way. 
and I go back and look at some of the stuff and just die laughing that, you know, <laughs> it's totally like a baby book kind of, which is awesome. And I need to have it printed because the other day I was looking at it for something and, um, I, my babies, like we only had Caden and Deacon and they were just babies. And I'm telling you, I just forget that how little my 10 year old was and he's only 10. Uh, but that's when I started that. And then we moved here to Austin and we were in the adoption process for Amos and story. And so I blogged through that. Um, and so I would say I just started writing more and more. I would say I started writing more like not for my reader, but not just so much journaling and baby book stuff, probably after Amos and story came home is where I would okay. say it became more of, um, writing for me. Um, it was just, there was a hard year after my kids came home from Haiti. And so I feel like I, I, I used it as an outlet a lot and used it as a place to like encourage and help other people in the same place as me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time I held a lot back because this is a public space and it's my life. So, um, but yeah, so that's when I started. Well, and that's what, another one of the questions I was going to ask, I mean, you, you really put yourself, in my opinion, it seems like really put yourself out there on your blog. It's very open. I mean, there, and I've, you know, you've explained that your husband is involved in a rather big church here. And actually, ironically enough, I go to that church. I didn't realize you do. Yeah. I didn't realize who you were by your last name until you had posted a picture. And I was like, Oh my God, she's married. I call your husband and his band Coldplay because they remind me of Coldplay when they're performing at church. (laughs) I'm embarrassed to admit that, but I do. And so I was, I was telling my husband, I was like, this girl's married to Coldplay, who I call Coldplay. That is so funny. You didn't know that. No, not until, um, when I, I don't know how I found your blog. I think through Facebook, we probably have mutual friends Uh that know each other and that's probably how it got posted just from what I can gather. And so it was a several posts later when you had posted a picture about you guys and that's when I put two and two together. And, um, you know, for those that don't know, the church is, I mean, it's enormous. I don't even know how many members are uh, a part of the church, but I mean, you know, I actually have a, two good friends I went to college with, and he is an associate pastor at a rather big church in Dallas. And, um, you know, my his wife is sometimes cautious about how much she gets involved in what she says about certain things because it does affect her husband. And as I put two and two together about, you know, where y'all go to church and how big it is, and then as I've been reading your blog, I've just have been kind of really impressed at how humble and open and honest you've been. And I, you know, that was one of the questions I had was, you know, I know you and Aaron have to have discussions about, you know, what do you want to put out there? What do you not want to put out there? I'm guessing a lot of people that go to the church that know about your blog probably read. And so, you know, maybe you can elaborate more on that whole process. Yeah, that's good. I I would say that the number one thing that people say about my blog when they're like, I love it because of this is that it's vulnerable that I put myself out there. And so I think I, I never made a conscious decision to do that. Um, I think it's just, it, it's easier for me to relate to people when I feel like we're, that we're all on the same playing field. And so my thing is like, I'm a messed up person. 
I have, I need Jesus like daily all the time. And so for me, just to be vulnerable about that, I feel like that it tears down walls and it helps other people feel like, Hey, I'm not such, I'm not a messed, I am a messed up person. Yes. But there's nothing really wrong with me. I feel like so many times women can carry so much weight and so much burden, either about past sins in their life, current sins, parenting issues, marriage issues. And so for me, I feel like when we just tear down those walls, then we're all in the same, we're all in the same playing field. And so it's honestly really easy. This is interesting. And I, this is, I'm being really vulnerable right now with what I'm about to say. It's really easy for me to be vulnerable behind a computer screen. Okay. So that's just being honest there. It's easy for me. And I don't mind if people know about some of the things in my life. Converse, I've been talking with this about a couple of my girlfriends right now, sitting down with like a small group face to face. That's a little bit harder for me to like be vulnerable in front of someone. And so I would say right now, God's even working in my life about how easy it is for me to be vulnerable behind a computer screen, but to be able to take transfer that to real life, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, there's a lot of radio shows that personalities that I like, and I find that as a common thread. And these even other podcasts, I mean, it's way easier to share, you know, things that are going on versus having a face-to-face, more intimate, mm-hmm. physical surroundings yeah. and have those kind of conversations. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, like, I mean, I have my husband and I had looked for several churches in Austin and we had found the church where you guys go as well. You know, that was one of the things we really liked about it was how vulnerable everyone appeared to be and the honest discussions. I mean, some of the sermons that we have heard have honestly, they've been great, whether we have agreed with them or not, or wanted to add certain things. Just the fact that, I mean, it's, it's gotten us talking, Mm -hmm. which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, you know, it makes sense just seeing how the church is and how vulnerable and how I like that, how you said that, because that's very open, very honest, um, no appearances, um, that, it it goes hand in hand with how you share your story. Like it makes sense, but I know too, I mean, it's also, it's, it's, there's a balance when you play a role in a church and you're a family and going through those struggles. And then, you know, how many discussions go on behind the scenes. I mean, not even just, you know, about how much you share about yourself, but I had actually texted my friend earlier this week and I was like, I'm actually going to be, doing an interview with somebody that is married to someone that's very prominent in their church. And I was curious if there were any questions you had and, you know, or things that you wanted to bring up. And one of them she said too, was just how much support, like, you know, you had mentioned earlier how Aaron supports you as being a mother. And then it's really nice getting that affirmation for him. But, you know, his job isn't like, my job or my husband's job where we go in, we do our work and we leave. His Mm -hmm. job is incredibly personal. Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes, you know, my friend, she really has to be a huge support system, you know, not only on a personal level, but on a professional level because of, I mean, it's kind of like therapy. Like some of the things that get brought to his attention, it's like, I don't know if I'm really equipped to comment on some of mm-hmm. these things. Yeah. And so I was curious if, you know, you and Aaron kind of face some of those situations as well. With like church stuff. Is that what you're asking? Kind of yeah. like bringing that mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. you know, um, I would say yes. like for me, 
so when, when Aaron and I lived in Nashville, he traveled full time in his band and that was his thing. We weren't on staff at a church. In fact, when we first got married, we were on staff at a church and I actually never, ever, ever wanted to be on staff at a church again. It just, um, I didn't have a bad experience, but we were newly married. And as I've shared on my blog, I brought a lot of not baggage. I just had a very promiscuous lifestyle before I started following Jesus and before I married Aaron. And so I felt as though when I was a pastor's wife before, I felt that that um, defined me a little bit, even though the truth is, I would guess that most people that I knew then didn't even know anything about me because I didn't share it. I didn't feel comfortable. Um, all that to say, I never wanted to be in that position again. I did not want to be a pastor's wife. And so when Aaron started talking to Matt, our pastor at our church about coming here and being the worship pastor and working, I was just really, really apprehensive about it and frustrated because I don't even like the title pastor's wife. I feel like that brings so much, like everyone is looking to you for you to be perfect. And so all that to say, I don't feel that at all here. I don't feel Mm -hmm. any pressure to be anybody that I'm not. Now I will say, I feel like that maybe there's a, there is a little bit of difference between Aaron and I, and maybe just someone else. There's more accountability on us is what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say, because Aaron leads a a church from the stage. And so I feel like there's a lot of accountability on our life and our marriage and that kind of stuff. But one thing that I do that helps me is just like the way that I am so open about stuff, but I'm also very open about like how much I need Jesus. And I'm open about how much I couldn't do any of this without him. And I'm open about how much he's changed my life. And, you know, I feel like a lot of my parenting is a reflective of God's love for me and God's never ending love for me. And God's always pursuing me. Like it helps me be a better parent. And so I don't know if that answers your question about feeling that pressure. I don't really feel that pressure. Maybe I no, should. I think it, I think it answers that question. I mean, it's, it's an organic thing. It's constantly changing and growing as you guys are. And, you know, um, and, and I guess that, you know, that was always kind of thing too. So did y'all move to Austin because of the church? Is that how you, I mean, were y'all in the ministry before? Yeah, that's what we moved here for. We were in outside of Nashville and Aaron traveled full time leading worship at events. And so we moved here to go on staff at um, our church, Dawson Stone. So that's what brought okay. us here. Almost I was six, wondering almost if you were going to say the name. Yes. <laughs> I noticed you hadn't said it in the past, so I didn't want to drop it. And then people. Like, no, you're good. But hey, good. It'll, maybe it'll bring more people yeah. to Austin Stone. You we, should come. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we really Well, how did you meet Aaron? That was another question. I know you had. It's a great place. How, how did you meet uh, Aaron? So when um, we, we were both in college. And mm-hmm. Aaron worked at a church in Sugarland, Texas, which is right outside of Houston. Mm-hmm. And I was away at Dallas Baptist University. And so when I, after two years, um, I've shared this on my blog, so I'll share it here. After my last year at Dallas Baptist, I got pregnant and obviously wasn't married. And it was a really, really hard time in my life. And then I had a miscarriage. And so I moved home and... Um, back in home with my parents, you know, I had just been through a really, really hard time back home. And I started going to university of Houston and that's where Aaron and I met. He was a youth pastor where my brother was in the student ministry. And so we met, but I definitely was not walking with the Lord, um, was not ready for any kind of relationship. And then a lot of stuff, even more stuff happened in my life. Um, other bad choices. And anyhow, we ended up dating, I guess about a couple of years after I moved back home 
Um, and we dated for a year and a half and then got married. So okay, I know what's funny is, I mean, it's such a God thing because really Aaron and I started dating, you know, not long after I really like started following the Lord. And so, and I've shared this before, but he's such a sweetheart. Like Aaron had never kissed a girl before me. Oh, really? Yes. And so there was this like pure little Aaron, you know, outwardly pure. He always says he had way more sins inwardly. And I, you know, I had outward sins and then God just brought us together like this unlikely combination. And so, and actually Sunday, well, this will air after that, but we'll just had our 13th anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank That's you. exciting. Yes. <laughs> so y'all got married then like, I guess, early twenties. Yeah. I think I was 23. Okay. Yeah. I was 23 and he was 22, almost 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we, um, had Caden about a year and a half, two years later, something like that. And then from reading your blogs, you, uh, so you adopted Amos after like within a year or two of having Deacon. So we, um, had Caden and mm-hmm. then when he was nine months old, we started the adoption process for Deacon and he came home okay. the next year. So they're 22 months apart. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had them together for like after, so then we started the adoption process of Amos when him and Deacon, they're like six months apart. So they were both, um, two. Mm-hmm. And then when Amos came home, he was four and a half. So when Amos came home, I had a six year old, a four year old and a two year old. And then Amos okay. came home and he was four. It was a nutcase. It was just, it was, it was crazy around here, Julie. Well, one of the things I can only imagine, um, one of the things that I read, cause I thought maybe I know some different people that have gone to Haiti for mission work after the hurricane, but one of the things I was kind of surprised to read about, and it actually kind of broke my heart for y'all. I mean, it's worked out okay, but it looked like y'all had gone to Haiti before the earthquake and then y'all were in the adoption process. And so you didn't really know what was going to happen with Amos because y'all were still in the process of adopting him when the earthquake happened. Is that correct? That's true. I mean, we had been in the process. He came home. We had been working on getting him home for two and a half years. And so, um, well before the earthquake happened, we had been in this process. In fact, I think we'd been through two hurricanes there and all kinds of stuff before he came home. Story came home three months before Amos. So she was home before the earthquake. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when the earthquake happened, we were still in the process and actually we didn't really know at that point in our process, there was some hold up with his paperwork. We had absolutely no idea when he would come home. And so, you know, the earthquake really brought Amos home. Um, it was a, it was a tragic event, um, that happened and it, it is something that led to our son coming home, which is a hard pill to swallow. But, um, he came home 10 days later after the earthquake, they had like oh. a, they did a humanitarian parole where all these kids from Haiti that were in the process, like they had to be so far along, they brought mm-hmm. them home. And so he actually came home and we actually, this is adoption is so weird. Like we, we readopted our kids, Amos and Story, after they came home, just to like, you change their name and social security, all that kind of stuff. And then, but Amos still is not, he's still not a citizen. He just got his green card recently. Like it's just it messed up everything, them coming home that way. I mean, it was awesome, but it's funny that he's not, he has a green card. Yeah. Oh, that had to have been so stressful to wake up or hear about the hurricane or the earthquake. And then here you are in the process and you don't, I mean, how long would, how long did y'all have to wait before you knew that he was like physically okay? Um, you know, the earthquake 
I mean, it devastated the whole country. It was in Port-au-Prince. And his village, he lived in a place called Cazelle, which is by drive about an hour and a half, two hours outside of Port-au-Prince. Miles, it's probably not that far. Um, are the lady that runs it, that he was at a place called Real Hope for Haiti, which is an amazing organization that um, literally saves kids' lives. And uh, I think she emailed us that night. Okay. Okay. Either she, I can't remember. Either she emailed or posted on Facebook. I don't know, but we knew mm-hmm. that everybody there was okay. Um, and so, and then it was 10 days later that he came home. Okay. Yeah. That, I would just, when I was reading through that, I was like, man, I need to look at my dates to make sure I'm getting this right. <laughs> Cause I thought how that has to be so intense. And then it's you're crazy. so far away. I mean, it's, yes. um, ugh, I mean, it just gives me an anxiety attack thinking about it. <laughs> it was, that was a crazy month. The earthquake those 10 days of like, we also did a lot of interviews during those days that was stressful. And like, we weren't sleeping cause we were trying to get him home and then he got home. And then seven days later, my mom has a heart attack. I mean, it oh, was like, gosh. it was the craziest month ever. And, um, yeah, it was crazy. And that was four and a half, four years ago, which is crazy too. It is. So do your parents, do they live in the Houston area still? They live North of Houston outside of Huntsville. Okay. Yeah. And then where is Aaron's family? They live in Tennessee. Okay. All right. So y'all are kind of spread apart. We are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, and I guess not to make light of all that stuff, but kind of some other things that I've heard you mention, and this is actually kind of ironic too. So you've mentioned a couple times that you started the podcast because you were in radio. And so, um, it's funny. You actually, I sent a video to that same radio station that you did <laughs> to be, uh, on the morning show. Yes. <gasps> that and is so, so funny. Um, I'm curious, you know, I think I've had a lot of people talk about doing a podcast. Um, I listen to podcasts myself. Uh, and so, and I know you had mentioned that, you know, being in radio is what kind of stirred that whole little nest egg and got that going. Um, what made you, did you want to be in radio before you had applied or was it just like me, you heard it and you thought, you know, that might be fun. I'll submit a video. And then it kind of grew into something bigger. (laughs) Well, I've always said that like my dream job would be to be something like, (laughs) this is so dumb, but like I, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a newscaster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. We, I just had dinner with my friend, Aaron, who works at a, a news show here in town. And, um, I was like, I always wanted to be an anchor because I thought all they did was show up, get their hair and makeup done and then read a screen. And I thought, what a better job than that. I mean, that's the easiest <laughs> thing ever. I now know as a grown woman, that's not all they do, but uh, I, I've always thought it'd be fun to do something where you're talking and, this sounds dumb, but like in the public eye a little bit, like that just always intrigued me and seemed fun. And so I listened to the station. Um, it was KVET here in town. And, um, so when they said they were looking for a new morning show host to be on with Bob Cole, I was like, um, this would be so much fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I just thought what, how much more fun can it be to just sit and chat with people for like four hours in the morning? And that's why I did it. Okay. And so when I can't remember when they had the auditions. I think it was like was it in January or February? Yes, it was early in 2011. And then you quit that summer, right? Six, yep, seven in months August. Uh huh. How hard was that? I mean, because you know, for me, it's not so much that I want to be in the public eye. 
I, I get you saying it's, it's not dumb at all when you say you want to be a reporter. I mean, for me, it's more of I would love to be in a format where I could interview or just talk to people that are quote unquote making a difference, like uh-huh. what makes them tick. I think that's one of the reasons I like radio or even just, you know, news stories. Like I love watching Dan Rather on Access TV right. when he's doing these interviews with all these classics people that have just been around forever. And so, um, you know, I know that had to have been hard to quit. I mean, was that just because from a personal standpoint, um, it's something that gets you motivated, but for, you know, from what I understand with radio, the hours are brutal. Um, it's not just work for the four hours that you're on air. I mean, could you kind of highlight on how much time it took and that process of having to quit and you know, what happened there? Um, yeah. So working there at the radio station was amazing and wonderful and I loved it so much. The things that were hard, the hours. Yeah. I mean, so we went live at six. Um, you know, on a good day, I would get there by five fifteen, but most days like five thirty, um, mm-hmm. cause I wasn't in charge of the show or anything, but we went live at six and we were on till 10. And then after that, you know, you do all your pre-recording for the next day, you do all your commercials, your ad spots, and then you plan the next day. So I would usually be there from like five fifteen, five thirty till noon, twelve thirty. you know, mm-hmm. if it was like, if I had something I could get out of there sooner. So as far as that go, the hours, I mean, it is amazing because you're out so early. Um, and I loved it so much. I love, I want to clarify too, when I said like to be in the public eye, that sounds so, um, like, Hey, everybody look at me. What it is for me is just to have a voice. I love to have a Mm -hmm. voice. I love to, to be able to encourage people and be in people's lives like that. And so that's something that my blog has done for me, but I even felt it more when I was on the radio. Like I felt like I had a voice that could spread truth. I felt like I had a voice that could be encouraging. I just felt like I liked having a voice. And so when, when I decided that I was going to leave, that's really what I missed the most was this voice of being able Mm -hmm. to do that. And that's what made me want to do a podcast because a, it's mine and I can do it however I want. And I give a voice, but quitting. So what happened is it had only been a year that my kids had been home, Amos and story. And like I said, that first year was really hard, um, just emotionally and Everything just adding two kids to the family that have been, that have been hurt. And by hurt, I just mean they, Amos didn't have a mom and dad for four years. I mean, that is a lot of trauma. And so bringing that in, it was just a hard year. Mm-hmm. So, and just to clarify, you brought them home at the beginning of two, when did you bring them home in 2000? What time, like January. at the beginning of January. January okay. Of so it really had just been a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then when I, when I applied for the job and sent in my demo, I honestly never thought I would win. Like, honestly, oh, no, who does? I know, no, I, I it <laughs> never entered my mind that I thought I would win. And then it just kept going and going and going. And I remember Aaron and I went to dinner and it was when I was in like the top 10. He's like, Hey, we need to talk about this. Cause I haven't worked outside of the home. I mean, since we had kids and here I am, like, like, he's like, Hey babe, hold on a second. Exactly. Like, you're going to be working. What are we doing here? And who's taking care of the children? Um, he's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Exactly. I supported you. But now that this might happen, like, let's seriously talk about exactly. the logistics. Exactly. That was it. The logistics. I mean, it was just crazy. And so I ended up winning. It's just crazy that that even happened. And, um, so basically I have some amazing friends that I hired and paid to be with my kids. And so during the school year, Aaron would take them to school, the ones that were in school, and then somebody else would stay with them. And so then the summer hit 
and Aaron traveled a lot in the summer. And so I would have someone show up at my house at 5.15 so I could leave. And then they would do breakfast and get up with them and do a lot of fun stuff. And then I would get home at 1 o'clock and be exhausted. And then I wasn't a very good mom. And it was really hard on Amos, just having a new person there every morning. And then me not being there and Aaron out of town, all of that combined was like just a disaster. And so I loved being on the radio. I loved it, but it was killing my family. And so I remember Aaron and I just had to make a decision. I mean, I brought it up to him. I mean, it was killing my, my marriage. It was killing my parenting. I was a really bad mom. Amos was struggling big time story. That was the worst three, three for her nearly put me in the grave. And that was her third, that she was three. And it was just a bunch of stuff that we felt like the only thing that had changed was that I was now working. And so we felt like maybe we need to pull back on that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that was really hard on a, a lot of levels. Number one was I had to really fight the feeling of like, geez, I'm finally doing something that I really love. And I really feel as though I'm good at it. And now I have to pull back because of my kids. And so that was a, I was a hard mom moment because I, I love my kids. I would die for them. Obviously I quit something I love for them, but it was just something that I had to take to God and be like, you know what? These kids are way more important than me feeling like this. And so I know some people might disagree with that, but it was what worked for our family. So quitting was really hard. A, because I was quitting and B, some people were brutal to me, Julie. I mean, the emails that I got, the calls that came in, you know, a lot of people were just pissed and they're like, did you not think about this before you took this job away from other people that were applying? And that was a hard pill to swallow because of course I thought about it, but just our circumstances at home were different and it didn't work out. So, but you know, when I look back and the people that I worked with on that morning show, they've all since left and they have a brand new show here in town called Coke. Um, K-O-K-E. Yeah. Cause they, that was kind of one of the things I was going to bring up. I think in some ways it worked out good because they were a member of clear channel mm-hmm. and clear channel is, I mean, for people that don't know, they are the game player in terrestrial radio and they are very corporate and very ratings driven. And I can only imagine, I mean, cause Bob was off the show that year. Yeah. I mean, after he left in you December. left. Yeah. I mean, you would have, Eric left before Bob did Mm -hmm. and then Bob quote unquote left at the end of the year. I mean, so actually looking back, I wouldn't have been there much longer. I wouldn't have stayed without them, you know? And I mean, they were really amazing for me and really helped me. And they, they, I love those guys. They were, they were great guys to work with. Um, and so then they started Coke about a year later and we talked about me coming back over there and it just didn't work out logistically, but I love what they're doing. I mean, I always say if I could be on the radio and take my kids to school, I would do it in a heartbeat, but mm-hmm. that just doesn't work. <laughs> they usually want you there in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, I get it. That's the prime time when people are in their car uh-huh. and they're listening, but I think with time things are changing and I think the podcast arena is a lot more friendlier and not as ratings driven mm-hmm. as radio is. I think they're in a good spot because they don't have to play the game per se, no. but I think you're in a sweet spot with your podcast. And honestly, you, they're kind of like your blog. I mean, you never know when you may have a guest or touch on something and it blows up. And next thing you know, I mean, you could, 
you could be making money off your podcast. Look there. <laughs> I mean, it ding, happens. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it um, happens. <laughs> I, I mean, I loved you. And the reason I loved doing podcasts because I loved the radio and I love talking to people. And I love hearing, I actually, my favorite thing about this so far is just like other people sharing their stories. Like I know I'm talking a lot about me this time because that was the point of it. But most of the time it's other people sharing their life mm-hmm. with people. And I love that so much. Um, and you know what's funny? This is interesting. I'd like to ask, I see what you and your friends think. Most friends that I know do not listen to podcasts. Yeah, I have, mine are very separate. Like they either know about it or they don't. In fact, you're right. Some of mine are, they were even like, I don't even know what a podcast is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, what? Cause I have been listening to podcasts for a while. I like to listen to them when I work out. It's just like, it's easy for me. But if anyone listens to sermons online, they're basically listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. I they mean, just don't realize what it is. They just don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I've, I've, I've been listening to radio forever. And honestly, if I could go back to college and change my major, I would have done communications and gotten an internship because I've applied for several internships. You just have to be a literal student. I'm like, Hey, I'm still a student. I go to the university of called life. Yes. Hello. <laughs> like I'm giving you free work here. Exactly. Hello. Taking up on it. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, it's, it's very interesting and it's funny just kind of watching how things just, everything's changing, obviously with the internet. It's not even radio. I mean, it's even TV. I mean, I know like with the late night shows with the Jimmy Wars going on right now and, uh, you know, a lot of them don't necessarily get views per se when their show is on air at 1030. It's, they get views from their videos the yeah. next day, like yes. those Brian Williams tapes that they cut up to all those raps have me rolling on so the floor. Funny. Cause he's so serious and then he's sitting there doing baby got oh back. Gosh, it's, it's just so like, funny. I die. And so, you know, I think this whole podcast, I mean, the internet's obviously everything's changing, you know, change is inevitable, but mm-hmm. I, it'll be interesting to see where this whole podcast goes in general for people where it makes money. I think it also gives you more freedom, like where you don't have to be somewhere every day from six to 10 you know, that you can do it on the hours that you're available. You can, you know, if you want to do like a something that you do every week or every day, I mean, I mean, it's just, it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch you grow. I love watching shows or starting something when it's small and watching them as they progress. So I'm excited to see where your journey goes. I'm excited too. Um, Okay, so uh, I know there's a couple things on a lighter note for to hit on some of the stuff that you talked about. Okay, so I know that you watch, just got through watching Friday Night Lights and that you're yes. currently watching House of Cards when you can. Yes. We haven't been able to get into that one as much. We've watched it here and there, but then again, that goes back to the baby thing. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk about, okay, so I have three TV series that are... I mean, they're good. They're great. I think they are something that at some point I'm probably going to make my kid watch Bless His Heart, mainly because of the discussion that it'll bring up. And so I'm curious if you have seen The Wire or Six Feet Under or Breaking Bad. Okay, so The Wire, no. Six Feet Under, I know what it is, but no, I never watched it. Breaking Bad, I tried. Like, I watched, I think I tried last summer when Aaron was gone, maybe, and I think I watched three episodes, and nothing in it made me want to come back for more. And I even watched it, a lot of times shows help when you can, like, binge watch them and watch them back to back. I still had no desire to watch the next one. So, I 
I didn't do that well. Did you watch it? Well, I have, okay, so Breaking Bad, we had the exact same experience. We had tried to watch it several years ago, and we watched probably like you, the first three or four episodes, and we were like, you know, like, it just wasn't drawing any attention to us. But then I had known a couple people that didn't watch television shows and had somehow started watching this one, and they could not quit talking about it towards the end. And it was such, I mean, it it had huge ratings. I think that was one of the biggest watch finale forever. And so I remember thinking, you know, maybe there's a little more to this than we can see. And when I say I may make my kid watch at some point, this will obviously be when he's a teenager and an older adult and can handle some of the content, because it's not very... um, some of the language is questionable and it's not incredibly sexual as far as you, I mean, I can't even think of anything, but it's, I mean, it is an incredible story and I'm so glad we watched it because it's mainly one of those, like it brings up such great questions about morality and ethics and where do you draw the line in the sand? And, um, you know, the, the main guy gets cancer and starts selling drugs to find his uh, treatment because he can't afford it. And he's a teacher, which I, you know, I think that is an issue in itself, how we as a country view education, how we, you know, I mean, teachers, just like moms, they don't get nearly half the credit that they deserve. And, um, and, and it's also in mid America. It's not in Washington, DC or New York or LA. It's, it's in a regular, regular old town. Yes. People are just working hard, uh-huh. getting up every day and, you know, putting their time in. And it's, and it's one of those, when you first start, you think, you know, I can understand that. I could see where if I got cancer, maybe I would start doing something questionable, like maybe selling drugs to fund it. Cause I wouldn't want to leave my kids stranded or my husband. And then on top of that, you know, they obviously don't want me to die. So they're willing to go through everything. But that's, that's the whole point is you can't just sell drugs, like all these things. Like I would say, give it two seasons and don't binge watch it. If you can't like maybe watch an episode here or there, but you'll get sucked in. So I you're mean, telling that me last, I need to give this another try. Yes. Just give it. I'm telling you, Jamie, that last episode, that last season, me and my husband, okay, were how many wheels. seasons are there? Oh, I don't know if there's five or six. Okay. That's a lot of TV. Yeah, okay. I mean, you can't, I can't binge watch. I never could like that just because I work oh, and I get sucked stuff. in. Um, but okay, well, on your recommendation, I might give it another try. It's just a great. Oh, I mean, it, the ending. We almost called into work because we were like, we got to finish this, and then I was like, no, we got to feed our kid. Being we like, we got to be thing. responsible. It's one thing if we're under the bridge, but we can't take <laughs> our kid under the bridge. Like those days are behind us. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I was okay. like, that with well, I was Friday just Night curious. Lights. I mean, I tried Friday Night Lights several times, and I love football. I love all that, and I couldn't do it. And then finally, I gave in, and of course, I loved it. So sometimes it takes more than three episodes. I need. A- I watched that one on TV, and then somewhere in the midst of all that, I got lost. Probably because my husband didn't watch it. Yeah. So there are some shows he doesn't watch that I have to kind of do on my own, and yeah. so that can make it kind of challenging. It makes it hard. Okay, well, um, just to kind of keep the theme with what you do on a regular weekly basis with people that you talk to, what books are you reading now? Oh, right now I'm reading Divergent. I never okay. read that. Did you read it? No, but I've heard about it. Yeah, so I am reading Divergent, and then um, I'm waiting for Caden, my son, to finish the second Harry Potter book, because I read the first one in Mexico, and I'm dying to read it, which, did you ever read these books? 
No, and that's funny. When y'all were talking about how you hadn't read them, I was like, he hit me neither. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like so many of my friends did, um, but I never did. So I'm, I'm reading Divergent. I'm probably, I'm hoping to finish it um, this weekend because I'm going to the beach and I like to start a new book at the beach, which I don't even know what I'll start. I don't yeah, know. that's hard. There's so many good books out there. I mean, I have so many just, I keep a little list in my phone and it's funny as y'all have been marketing things. I'm like, I'm like up to like 40 something books to read. And I'm like, gosh, where can I get a job that I just get paid to read these? Can I, just I mean, read books. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I use, have you heard of Goodreads? Mm-mm. Okay. It's just like, a. I don't even know how to explain it except for you can create an account And then you can keep track of books. So I keep all the books that I've read in there. It helps me. Like if someone's like, Hey, what should I read? I can just go back and look at some Mm -hmm. of the books I've read. You can rate them. I have a list of like 600 books to read. And so literally if I'm at the library, I can just pull it and be like, Oh, here's something I wanted to read, you know, and there you go. So good good reads is where I keep it all. I'm about to start a book called, um, girls like us. Mm hmm. Which, um, since you live in Austin, you're welcome to join me for this. It's a book, uh, it's called Fighting for a World Where Girls Are Not for Sale. An activist finds her calling and heals herself. So I've been getting involved a little bit with sex trafficking here in Austin. Yeah, that's really interesting because I've noticed that on your last couple of blogs. And like you, I mean, it's almost when I read those, it tugs at my heart and I think, I don't even want to know. Oh, but know. then it's like, that's just putting your head in the sand. And yeah. that's, you know, not, you can have action by having no action and then nothing changes. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I, I just am shocked to hear that that is going on so heavily here. And yeah, Austin. it's crazy. And I'm like, barely got my toe in the sand. I mean, literally I'm just like not fight hiding from it, not fight, not, you know, saying, I don't want to know about it, but I am taking it slow. I mean, it's a big thing. And so mm-hmm. this book is written by a girl who, um, was rescued out of sex trafficking. And so she writes it. Anyhow, I'm doing a little book club here in Austin. So we're all okay. reading it and then come into my house to discuss it. I'll email you later about it. You're welcome to come. Yeah. No, that'd be fun. So one of my favorite podcasts that you've done was with Jessica. Is it Honiger? Uh-huh. Okay. And her and Wynn, because that's another, aside from reading up on you, have been reading up a lot on Noonday Collection. I mean, yes. what an awesome awesome organization. I yeah. love the whole, like, okay, so I want to host a trunk show. Oh, I'm going to have to wait have a to little tell, bit. I'm going to have to send you some people now that you said it on air. They'll be calling well, you. I mean, I hate to jump in. Okay. So part of my venture capitalism to some extent is I get really excited about something and then it's like, Oh, I can do this. And then something else comes along. And then all of a sudden I have all these projects going on. And part of me is like, I hate to do a trunk show because what if I really want to do this and it goes into the ambassadorship? Uh-huh. But I am, I mean, I'm not a big accessory person. I just wear earrings. But um, I, I have tons of friends that are, and they're so fashionable. And, I mean, how cool, how cool is it to buy something that helps another woman make money and helps a kid with their foster and hopefully adoption placement, and right. it's for profit? I mean, that is like... I mean, you're tackling like, you're, you know, they say kill two birds with one stone. It's more like you're killing four. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Like what a great, I mean, I, when she was saying that, it's kind of like watching Shark Tank. I was like, why didn't I think of this? <laughs> uh, Jessica's amazing and she has this mind for fashion and for business. And so she really put those together and it works. You should really host a trunk show. It's a lot of fun. 
Um, I think you get, you earn jewelry out of it is what I think. Don't quote me on that. I think so. Um, and you never know, maybe you'll be an ambassador. I was so impressed with that. I mean, it's, I can already tell my family for when they listen that if they're female, they will be getting something from them for the holidays. See, it's so good. (laughs) And you know, they do a really good job with having sales also. I mean, Mm -hmm. they they have great sales on stuff and then you can get stuff even cheaper. Okay. Well, this is Jamie, this has been really fun. Like I've, I've never done anything like this. And so you kind of gave me a minute to, um, I don't know, uh, live out a little dream of mine of it getting to interview someone and talk to them and get to know their story. It's so fun. You did a great job too. Oh, thank you. You really did. I was nervous. Okay. So now that I know that we go to the same church, which campus do you go to? Downtown. AM or PM? Uh, AM. That's when I go. Um, we used to go at nine and we still try to go, but it's been hard since we've had William with the whole sleep and everything. And you have to check out in the fall. We're starting some women's ministry stuff. Yeah, no. Well, and it's funny, you know, we've invited a bunch of people to church. It's always interesting, you know, when you're talking to your friends and like, for me, I just kind of talk more about how much, I mean, we've really enjoyed it. I mean, it's just, there's been some phenomenal discussions that have come out of it. And I'm from East Texas. And I think that's, kind of funny that Matt's from East Uh Texas and he's kind of like the head pastor. And, um, and so, um, we've invited a lot of friends and it's not a traditional church setting, which is always kind of fun preparing people. Uh (laughs) Well, especially when you have Coldplay up there playing. Yeah. Well, that's how I describe them. Like y'all, the music is so good. The music is so, I mean, and even, uh, the black guy, Jimmy, I Uh mean, I, he, he reminds me of Whitney Houston. It's like if you hear his music and you don't see him, you think he's like bent over, putting out these great notes. And then when you see him, he's like does it so effortlessly. It's yeah. like he's blaring out these notes and eating a donut at the same time. That's just so funny. Out. Do you have his new CD, Jimmy's? Um, well, you know, it's funny. You had mentioned that in one of your podcasts or your blogs. And I was – because I saw that Aaron and them had put out a new CD. And I was like, finally, they're going to put out some of these songs that I've been – you know, recording on my voice and uh-huh. so I can listen to. And then they didn't put out one of Jimmy's. I was like, Amazing Grace, I think. I love that. Or This is Amazing Grace. And um, I was just so bummed. I was like, gosh, you know. And then I saw that and I was like, ha ha, I found it. Yay. <laughs> so, yeah, I downloaded a CD and also in support of their musical stuff because I know it's, it's hard being a musician. It is. It is. And they're about to have a baby too, him and his wife. Oh, that's exciting. Didn't they just get married yeah, recently? They will have okay. a baby within a year. Yeah. Good for them. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. It's fun. Tell them to get through those first couple months and then hang in there. It's I like, know, it's, right? <laughs> when you hit that five-month mark, you're like, oh, it I can do better. it. And then you can enjoy yourself. You laugh. <laughs> it's so fun. Okay. Well, we'll have to meet each other in person. Yes, absolutely. Well, this has been really fun. Thanks so much. I am so glad I took you up on your offer. Yeah, fun. I am too. So I was, you and share, and it was a lot of fun. I was nervous, so oh, no need to be nervous on the happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I hadn't met you, I thought she's going to think I'm crazy. Oh no! <laughs> From one so, do you have a bunch another. of people a bunch of people lined up for the future? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, I've just emailed a bunch of my friends. Like coming up soon is. Um, my friend Janet Reeves, who goes to the mm-hmm. Stone, her husband used to play in Chris Tomlin's band, and she does um, works in kids there, and they do a lot with the, a mission in Mexico, and she does stuff with sex trafficking. So she's coming up. She has four kids, 
And then uh, my friend Ashley Benson's coming up, and she's a Pilates instructor in Nashville and um, just does a lot with, like, eating healthy and exercise. And so she's coming on. And then Melanie Schenkel is coming on in a couple weeks, and she is an author. She lives okay. down the road from us, but she wrote Sparkly Green Earrings and Antelope in the Living Room. Super funny. And she runs a, bo- a blog also that probably most of you have heard about it, Big Mama. Okay. Yeah. And so are you going to write a book? You know, I am working on a book. Good for you. Eek. I mean, I, it's weird to say that, but I am It'll, slowly but surely. Okay. Julie, so fun. This was fun. I had a great time. It was so fun. It was like Hope- another putting me on the other side and yeah. Fun. Well, um, hopefully I'll see you at church. I'll keep my eye out for Please you now do. that I know what you look like. And um, I'm guessing you have my email. Or I do. I've never done Skype, so, you know, eventually I'll see you. But if, you know, you ever run out of guests or, I don't know. I'm coming to you. Yeah, just I'll help however I can. Hey, and you should so. start your own podcast if you want to. I thought about that. I just don't, I mean, what would I, do? I mean, I just want to talk about everything. So I don't really have a focus. I need a Me direction. Neither. It's not, there's no focus with this happy hour. You can tell we're just all over the place. Well, and that's, I love that idea. Happy hour. I mean, I, when I, when I, I was following your blog and then when I saw it, I thought, man, this is great. This is good stuff. And then you can talk about whatever. Yeah. So just like if you were at a happy hour. Rally my troops. I know. So, so fun. Well, let me do know. You have, do you have some friends that are like, no way, Jamie, I'm not doing that. Uh, no one's told me no. Everyone on here has been incredibly empowering and enthusiastic about life and positive. And I think that's, it's really nice to hear that and to hear that, I mean, I don't mean this bad and I'm sure you can relate just being a mom. Sometimes you feel like you've just lost some of yourself Uh of just the freedom and the flexibility to kind of do something for yourself. And so it's just been so refreshing to hear these other moms and they have other things going on. And I know that I know all moms, they do this. I mean, I see in my mother, my grandmother, my aunts, but still it's just nice to hear it and get it reinforced. And you're, you know, kind of like, yeah, I love it. (laughs) I am really blessed with a lot of like awesome friends doing awesome things. And so Mm -hmm. it makes this easy to talk about all they're doing. So, and it's fun. Well, good deal. Yeah. Well, okay. Good luck to you. You got, you got a fan. And if you post this, I'll put it on my Facebook. So maybe you can get some more followers. And if you don't, it's okay too. It won't hurt my feelings. It's going to be posted. Cool. Well, I'm excited. It went well. You weren't a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not crazy in the context of you've never met me and this person may show up at my house. (laughs) I've been told I'm I've been told I've been crazy in other ways. Okay, a good crazy. A good crazy, not a psycho crazy. Yeah, no. Oh, so fun. Okay, Julie, thanks so much. It was fun. And I'll see you around at church. Thank you. See that he made it, he made it.